try that again. Good morning. I am really excited to get to talk to you guys this morning. Not just because I'm always excited to talk to you guys, because it's like the coolest thing ever that I just get to talk about God's word. But today, especially, I get to talk about one of my very favorite passages. So if you'll open to Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to be looking at two verses today. And I think if every single one of us really made a concerted effort to take these to heart and apply it in our lives and to make it happen, that we would see powerful growth, exponential dividends, because we would be working together to create something beautiful for God. So in Hebrews chapter 10, we'll read verses 24 and 25. It says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what do you think is going to be my point from here? Do you think I'm going to say that if we all made a concerted effort to attend church all the time that we would see crazy growth? I think it's really important that we make an effort to grow and to to be here. But if that's what you got from these verses, then there's something really critical that we have skipped over. And that is that the actual focus of this admonition is in verse 24, and that is, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I'm not usually one for analyzing structure, but just to look at this, the, the headline of this, let us consider, who are we going to consider? One another. And what about one another? Well, how to stir up love and good works. That's the emphasis. And the rest of this verse is kind of parenthetical, or the rest of this is parenthetical. You're not going to do that by not being here, by abandoning your brothers. That's, that's not going to help. Uh, but you're going to do that by encouraging them, and especially as you see the day drawing near. But the focus, as I said, is on considering one another and how to stir up love and good works in our brothers. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning and considering how we're going to do that in our lives. And as I said, these verses often get used to talk about church attendance. And obviously, that's really important. It's, it's kind of the starting line. You know, you can't encourage your brothers if you're not here to encourage them. But I'll give you an example of, of two different people. And you consider for yourselves which one you think fulfills these verses better. So you've got one person who's, they're always here. They're, they're showing up. They're here early even. They're chatty. They're conversational. They're, they're engaging with their fellow brothers. But their conversations are never really that deep. They talk about work. They talk about what they did over the weekend. And they don't really talk about Jesus. They don't talk about the things that he's doing in their lives or the ways that they're trying to, as uh, we prayed this morning, to do their part in the work here. And you've got another guy. He's always here. And when he's here, he's having conversations. He's engaging with people. He's talking to them about the ways that they're trying to grow, the ways that he's trying to grow. And they're working together. He's playing his part, not just to be engaged in people's lives, but to 
push them to be the kind of people that God wants them to be. So if we look at our verse here, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Which one of those people is doing that better? I'm going to say it's the second guy, the one who is doing the work to consider how to stir up his brothers to love and good works. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. And there are a plethora of ways for us to do this. But I'm going to talk about three ways that I think could really be helpful to us if we employed them in our lives and in our interactions here. And most of them focus around the idea of intentionality in our conversations. So the first of these ways that we're going to stir up our brothers is by what I'm going to say, be a Jesus fanatic. I have noticed uh, the very subtle vibes here about we're excited, a lot, of them, a lot of us, about things like sports, about things like hunting. That when you talk to somebody who's passionate about those things, they're excited to talk to you about it. And they could talk all day about you know, the, the game that happened yesterday, which I think was pretty significant for you guys. And uh, there's nothing wrong with being able to have casual conversation about things that you're passionate about. And there's nothing wrong with inspiring passion in other people about the things that you're excited about, the sports or the hunting or your job or whatever it is. But what I think is interesting about this is that, societally speaking, there seem to be a small list of things that it's okay to be really, really passionate about and to like bring up in every single conversation. And somehow Jesus is not on that list of things. Because when I think about the concept of somebody who talked about Jesus as much as they talked about football, there's something in my brain that says that that is strange or that's weird. And I don't really know why that would be, especially if we're trying to accomplish what these verses are saying. In verse 24, we'll keep on reading it all through this lesson. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. If our goal is to stir up love and good works, to stoke the fires of the passion for God in our fellow brothers, then it seems only natural that Jesus would be something that we're constantly bringing up in our conversations. And that it would be something that was normal for us to talk about what Jesus is doing for us, the things that we're seeing transformed in our lives as we submit to him, the things that are difficult and frustrating and the struggles that we're having. It would seem like that would be normal. And if it's not, then what can we do to make that more a part of what we're talking about? And there are some people that do this really well. I have a friend, so I, a couple weeks ago, I, I made it a goal. I was going to try and get connected again with some of my friends from college. And so I started texting him, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? And I had this one friend, and I knew even before I texted him that when I said, hey, how are you doing, that it might as well be, hey, what can I pray for you? Because as soon as I texted him that, he was like, Brent, I got to tell you, my reading life has been suffering because I've been 
I've been too busy. And I've realized that when I put God's work first, that suddenly I have time for it. And I was like, that was just the, the leader of his conversation. He's, you can tell just by the way that he speaks and the things that he's talking about, that he's always thinking about Jesus, that Jesus is on his mind, that he's important in his life, and that he can't help but talk about him because that's what we do with things that are important to us. And the powerful thing that came out of that conversation was that because he was that way, because talking about Jesus was normal for him, because it was natural for him, suddenly it became a whole lot more natural for me. And those conversations that came after that between us were a lot more spiritually focused than many of the conversations I've had with other people just because he made it natural. And I'm wondering if we can't all strive to be a little bit more like that, that we're the kind of people that make it seem natural to talk about Christ and the things we're doing and the things that he's doing in our lives just as a part of our conversations together. As we're talking together between classes, as we're talking together after church, again, there's nothing wrong with talking about work and what we did over the weekend and the game, but why isn't Jesus a bigger part of our conversations? And if he were, what sorts of passion could we ignite in other people about Jesus that comes from the passion that is working in us? So the admonition from this is to think about Christ. Think about the things he's doing and tell other people about it. Make it natural and stir up that passion in other people so that they can feel it too. Be a Jesus fanatic. The second thing is what I'm going to call the obituary question, which may sound morbid, but hang on with me for a second. So I have a large set of icebreaker questions that I like to ask people when I meet them. And most of them are pretty normal things, like uh, what animal do you most connect with? Or uh, you know, if you could eat one meal forever, what would you eat? But uh, I have this one that is my favorite one to ask because it comes from uh, some of my personal thoughts uh, as I sort of meditated on the, this verse. And I said, if my goal is to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, if my goal is to get other people doing good works for Christ, then here's what I want to know about that person. I want to know when you die, what do you want them to write about you in your obituary? What, do, what things do, they, do you want them to say that you did? What kind of person do you want to have been? And if you ask a Christian this, they're obviously going to be like, oh, well, I want to be known to be a Christian. And that is amazing, but it's not specific enough for my question. So think about some Bible characters that we know. Paul had this goal. He wanted to get the gospel to Spain. And he saw himself not just as a Christian generic, but as an evangelist, as a light to the Gentiles. He had a purpose. And he knew not just that he wanted to be a follower of Christ, but what kind of follower he wanted to be. And there are a lot of people like that. You think about Barnabas. He was known for being an encourager. You think about Dorcas. And she was known for all of the charity and the, the, the clothes that she was making for people. Or maybe 
you're the kind of person, this is, I'll admit to you, my, the number one thing on my list. Maybe Ephesians 5 really resonates with you. You want to be the kind of husband or wife that uh, God wants us to be, and that is, that's, that's the way you want to serve God. And if, if you've got a goal like that, then I want to know that about you. Because if I'm trying to stir you up to love and good works, I want to know what kind of love and good works you want to be doing. And this isn't to say that we get to pick, you know, one thing to do and that's all we do and we just stay in our comfort zone. But I think we would all admit that there are certain things that come naturally to us, things that we excel at. And if that's the case, then we need to be pursuing those things. And if that's your goal, if that's the way that you're trying to serve God, then I want to be the kind of person that encourages you to pursue those sorts of things. Uh, There's another way to ask this question that I think promotes the thought a little bit differently, and that is, why do you think God gave you life? Why did God bring you here? Because we will admit, in the abstract at least, that every day is a gift, that Everything that God has blessed us with in our past, from the money that we have to our bank account to the food that we have on the table to the family that raised us, was all a gift that we have by the grace of God. And if that's the case, then I'd like to inspire you to think in a way of stewardship. And that is, if God gave me these things, what is he equipping me for? Uh, That I have an obligation to use those things in God's service. So I mentioned earlier, the number one thing on my list, uh, the way I want to serve God, is I want to be a good husband. And that comes from a lot of things. One, I uh, have grown up in the church, and I have seen all of my life the way that God loves his people. And my family, uh, my parents were an excellent example of a uh, a loving couple. And so I got to see that firsthand. And I, I grew up in a, a family that was stable. And so because I've gotten to see God and, uh, and the, the way that he loves, and because I've seen the way my parents love and the, I've had that stability, that sets me up to have certain advantages. And that's not to say, you know, that I have the power to love better than anyone else, but just like God has blessed me to know what love looks like. And if that's the case, then I need to do that. I need to love with all that is in me. And so that's, that's my goal. And if that's the case, and I'm, I'm talking to people, then there's a follow-up question from that. And that is, if through thinking about stewardship and the things that God has blessed you with, you know how you want to serve God, then the follow-up question is, what are you doing to get there? What sorts of things are you employing in your life to grow in that area specifically? What goals are you making for yourselves? Where do you see other people excelling in that area that you are not excelling, and what are you doing to try and get there? And if we can have these really intentional and sometimes uncomfortable, but it it doesn't have to be, just intentional conversations with other people, then we can inspire love and good works in them. And if that's our goal, which I think it should be from this passage, then this is a phenomenal way to do that. 
because it gets us thinking about the blessings God has put in our lives. And it gets other people thinking about the blessings God has put in their lives. And it allows us to work together to move in that direction so that we can serve God better every day. And we, we follow up with them. You know, you come back a couple weeks later, you're like, hey, you know, you said that you really wanted to do this. How are you doing on that? And, and we inspire some accountability as we all work together to try and be a, a group that loves and works toward what God expects and wants from us all. And so uh, talk to each other. Ask these questions and try to grow together. The third way that I think we could stir one another up, we've talked about being a Jesus fanatic, we've talked about this obituary question, and finally, we're going to look for keyholes. So the idea for this metaphor comes, each lock has a special key that unlocks it. A lock was made for a key and a key for a lock. And there are certain things, as we've just talked about in this previous point, that certain people are really well suited for. Maybe they have the gifts that have put them on that trajectory, or maybe they have just decided that they really want to pursue this area, that it gets them excited, they're passionate about it. That's how they want to serve God. And if we see problems, situations, areas of work, and we know people who would be excellent for that work, then we can put those things together, the key and the keyhole united, so that the work of God gets done and that people get to grow. And that's really exciting. And this is an incredibly biblical concept. If you will turn over to Acts, the 11th chapter. We'll be back in Hebrews 10 before too long. But Acts 11 is an example of just this idea, that there starts to be the gospel spread to the Jews, or to the Gentiles. And when that happens, uh, we'll start reading in Acts 11, starting in verse 20. But there came some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who were coming to Antioch, and spoke to Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believe turned to the Lord. So suddenly you've got a lot of Gentiles being converted. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So they said, okay, here's a problem, or here's a situation that needs some help. We know the guy. They send Barnabas. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So now there's, there's more people. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with a church and taught a great number of people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And we'll see Barnabas do this other times. When uh, Paul and Barnabas split up and Barnabas says, you know, I know John Mark failed us, but I'm taking him again because I, I know there's something in him. And he turns out to be incredible and uh, to, to be an asset and he, he grows to the occasion. Or Paul, as he's traveling through and he finds Timothy and he says, Timothy, you know, I've heard good things about you. Here, come with me. That this example of people 
seeing a problem and thinking, man, I know who would be good for that. Or seeing a person and saying, you know what? I know where they would excel. This mindset of thinking about our brothers, considering them, and trying to find ways that they could excel, and looking for ways to excel for the people that we know. There's this a, a thoughtfulness and intentionality about it that is really powerful. And so as we come back to Hebrews 10 and we read our, our verse again, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, that you realize that my title, Stir Up, might have been a little bit late in the verse. Because really what I'm talking about in this point is let us consider how to stir up one another. And so the idea isn't just that we're trying to help people grow, but that we're putting a lot of thought into it. And that we are seeing our brothers and we are considering and planning how we could help them grow. And I think a very practical way to do this is to take somebody that you know really well, maybe somebody you've, you've talked to them, you've done point two, and you know where they want to grow, how they want to excel, and take some time to think about a way that you could help them, uh, an opportunity that you could find for them, create for them, where they could grow. And I'll tell you, this comes from a, a very you know, personal sort of experience. I've had this happen to me twice. Well, I've had this happen to me several times, but twice that it really had a powerful effect on me. And the first time was there was an older man who he had the last invitation of the month. And I was like 14. I'd, I'd never done uh, public speaking in church. And he was like, Brent, I've been looking at you. You you have the kind of talents that I think would be good for giving an invitation, and I'm going to be out of town. Do you want to take my invitation? And I was kind of scared, but I, I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? Yes, I, I would like to do that. And that was the first time that I got to give a talk, and now I'm a preacher, so I guess you could see his, uh, his thoughtfulness, his encouragement to say, here's something I know you would be good at. Try this. Had a powerful and transformative effect on my life. But lest you think that this is just something that older people can do, this happened to me this last summer with uh, a guy that I went to church with. He was 19, which makes him younger than me. And he came to me and he said, hey, Brent, I've been reading in Acts. And I've been reading in the Gospels when Jesus sends out uh, the, the, pe- the 70 in pairs. He says, people went and did evangelism in pairs. And they, he said, they went to popular places, uh, you know, the, the temple, for example. He says, I want to do that, but I am only one person. And I, I've been thinking about you, Brent. I think you would be a great person to go with me. And so this kid, who I said, younger than me, was like, Brent, I want to start doing evangelism. Let's go to the park. We're going to start talking to random people about Jesus, and it's going to be awesome, and let's do this together. And I did, and it, I, you know, I talked about this Wednesday. It was scary, but it was, it was powerful, and it was really a wonderful experience. But the most incredible thing about it was to watch 
the way that he thought, that he said, here's a need, here's a way that I can grow, and here's somebody else who would be excellent to help me do this. Let's go do it together. And so that's the kind of mentality I, I want us to be in, that we are looking at each other, we're looking for ways to grow. And if we do that, I think that we would see powerful, powerful change. And when we do that, when we think about each other, there's, there's got to be a caution here because it can be discouraging to take some time to really think about somebody and be like, okay, here's a thing I know they would be good at. And you go talk to them and you say, hey, Bob, here's something you'd be really good at. Do you, do you want to do that? And they're like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of busy right now. And there can be a temptation to be like, ah, you know, they, they just, they don't love the Lord enough or they, you know, they're being choked out by the cares and riches of this world. But it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, it's possible for you to find ways to either you know, try them again later or even turn this situation into an opportunity for not just them to grow, but other people to grow. I'll give you this example. So say there's a guy who you want to go do evangelism with, but he's super busy because he's got you know, new kids all the time and they take up all of his time. And that is an amazing thing for him to be doing. But you're like, hey, I think you could do this well. And he's like, I can't right now because I'm busy. But say you know another person. And they, are, they don't have any kids, but they want to have kids. And that's one of their goals in life. They want to be able to grow to the point where they can take care of kids and raise them. But they're young. They don't know how, and they don't have experience, and they don't have opportunity. And so you say, hey, person two, come here and take care of these children. And hey, person one, come do this thing that you would be really good at. And it doesn't have to be that way. But I'm, I'm just saying, here's an example of a way in which one opportunity becomes two opportunities because you're able to think in a way that you can find keyholes and keys so that you can work together to help people grow. And that is the goal. That's, that's the goal of this entire thing, is that we can work together to help each other grow and we can consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And so uh, as we conclude, and I think I'll probably get out a few minutes early, which is good, because with a lesson like encouraging you all to talk and have intentional conversations and encourage one another, then it's, it's great to have a little extra time. But as we conclude, just think about each other and think about yourself. Because as I've talked about, everyone is able to serve God in different ways. And I think everyone also is able to do this in a little bit different of a way. Some people are really good at listening. And some people are really good at just sitting back and thinking and making connections that other people wouldn't make. And there are some people who are really good at having conversations and make them, making them feel natural. And if you know where your skills lie in this, then figure out how to accomplish this verse in your own way. But do this verse. Think about it and make it a priority. Because I want you to just take a moment. I said at the beginning that I think these verses, specifically verse 24, have the power to give us exponential dividends in growth in our church if we all put this effort in. Because think for a moment about a body of believers who was all concerned at looking at one another and saying, man, 
they would excel at this, or wow, let's do this together. They're considering their talents, they're considering other people's talents, they're working together to try and grow. They're working together to stoke up excitement and passion and conversation about Christ so that we're all considering him. We're all considering the things that he's doing for us. And we're thinking about him more than we normally would because we're all together trying to encourage one another. And maybe this is something that you've already put a lot of thought into. Maybe this is something that you've never thought about. And maybe it's something that you've seen but you've been a little bit daunted by. Whatever boat you fall into, there is always room for us to excel still more and to put some effort in to considering how to stir up one another to love and good works. And so take this time, think for yourself. Maybe you can find keyholes for people. Maybe you're the kind of person that really wants to stoke up passion in others. And maybe you're the kind of person that really wants to help and encourage people to think critically about the way that they can serve God. But whatever it is that you can do, whatever it is that you can help others to do, make that a priority. As we conclude, we'll read these verses again, and then the lesson will be yours. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Thank you so much.